Welcome to the Power of Food podcast. We are so excited to bring you evidence-based nutrition information focusing on addressing the root cause for imbalance. Food has the power to help you achieve lifelong optimal health without the side effects of prescription medication. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, or any other podcast platform. I am Stacy Seslowski, Functional Nutrition Registered Dietitian. And I am Leah Grace Barrick, Functional Nutritionist. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Power of Food podcast. Leah and Stacy here for a solo episode with just the two of us, which we haven't done for a while, so we're super excited. And today's topic is a very interesting one. We are talking all about fasting. So fasting has been a hot topic, and so we decided it would be great to just dive into this topic, give some of our takes on it, talk about what it actually is, what some of the benefits are, who it's for, who it's not for, and many other things. So we're going to just dive right in and first just talk about what fasting is. So Stacey, do you want to just tell us a little bit about what fasting is, if there's different types, and we'll go from there. Absolutely. Thanks for welcoming us, Leah. Um, I'm really excited about this topic. It's so it's heated. You know, you can go on social media and see people like sort of arguing about these things. And it's really unbelievable. And I always say the reason these things are being argued about is because there's no one size fits all. You know, there are certain things that are going to be great for one person and just terrible for another. And so and we really do have to individualize where, you know, when we're thinking about whether or not these things are appropriate, how is this actually going to affect me or you as a you know, unique individual? Um, but yeah, let's just get started on, you know, fasting is all different things. You know, some people will call fasting um, when they fast for 12 hours over the night and then, you know, you eat the rest of the day. Um, some people will go as far as to fast for days on end, you know, and then you can also consider fasting like, is it a water fast where you're allowed to drink water or a fast where you're not allowed to drink water? Um, there's even, you know, there's different uh, variations of this. Like one is called the fasting mimicking diet, which the research has shown that if you just cut your calories down to, I think it's like 700 calories on the first day and then 500 calories on the following three or four days, then that gives your body the sense that you're fasting. Um, so there really are, you know, various um, ways to do this. There's even studies on people who fast one day and then they eat the next day and then fast. And so it's like an alternate day fasting. So um, do you have experience with, have you, uh, you know, tried any of these types of fasts and, and what, are, what are, what's your take on it? Yeah. So I did try the fasting mimicking diet once, like two years ago, I think, um, mostly out of curiosity. So <laughs> I, I was a little bit nervous because I had done, you know, I think I had done one 24 hour fast before that, again, just out of curiosity. I like to try things before I recommend them to people or, you know, just kind of like see what all the hype is about. Um, and then I've done some like time restricted eating, which is basically, you know, if you eat between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. or something like that, it kind of depends. Some people will skip breakfast and they'll just eat from like 12 to seven. 
So they have a seven hour window of the time they're eating. But overall now, I really don't fast at all. And for most of my clients who are women with hormonal issues, I typically actually don't recommend it. And we'll talk about why that is. Um, but basically, like you said, Stacey, it's just not eating. So, you know, a lot of times it's the intermittent fasting that we hear all the hype about, or you might even see it as IF, just abbreviated. Um, but typically it's anytime you're fasting, like 12 hours, 14 hours plus. So like you said, though, there's so much nuance in who it's good for, bio-individuality, even same person, different times of their life. Like it might work for you to do some intermittent fasting at one point of your life and another point of your life, it might not. So that's really important to take into consideration. And we really want to approach this in a balanced way in this podcast so we can help educate you guys so you can make a decision on if it's good for you, if it's something you want to try, or if it's not good for you. So in terms of, you know, why people would even want to fast in the first place, there are many potential benefits. So after we talk about these benefits, don't just stop the podcast and run away and start fasting because we're also going to talk about some of the negative parts of fasting. So just hold tight for those. But some of the reasons that some people do try it is for weight loss. Some people experience weight loss with fasting. Um, it can help balance blood sugar and help with insulin sensitivity. It can help decrease oxidative stress, which essentially is increased anytime you're eating. Um, it can help some people get more energy if their body's running on something called ketones. It can help some people prevent brain fog or decrease brain fog. It can improve gut health. This one, I would argue, is not really getting to the root cause of the issue. So, you know, just because you're not eating and you're not bloating, doesn't mean that you're actually getting to the root cause of why you're bloated in the first place, even though a lot of people who have gut issues will fast so that they're not having bloated bloating. Um, and then longevity is another one. So it's been shown to increase telomere length in men in studies, which basically is just showing you how long or how old your biological age is essentially, and it decreases over time. So if it's increasing, then it's decreasing your biological age. So those are some of those reasons um, why someone might want to try fasting or some of those positive effects if fasting is right for their unique body, what they might experience. And one big, big, big takeaway is that fasting is entirely different for women than it is for men. So do you want to talk a little bit about that, Stacey, and why, and maybe touch on kiss peptin, which is not really talked about a lot with intermittent fasting? Absolutely. And yes, I have come 180 degrees when it comes to this topic because I've tried it. I used to recommend it. I, you know, I really did sort of look into the evidence and it seemed pretty promising that think that fasting can stimulate this thing called autophagy, which is basically that our cells replenish themselves and create new healthy cells. And all the research has shown at the point that I was all about the fasting, um, the research seemed to show that that fasting would stimulate this thing called autophagy. And that's another reason why it could promote longevity because you're replenishing your cells and creating new rejuvenated healthy cells that could help you live longer. But just like you mentioned, this research 
is primarily done either in little petri dishes, so you can sometimes not necessarily extrapolate that to human people studies, um, or a lot of those studies have been done on men. <laughs> um, you know, women, because we have a menstrual cycle, we're often eliminated from these studies because researchers are fearful that our cycle will be a confounding factor in their study. So they would have to decide, well, these women have their period at the time of the study. So does that mess up our data a little bit? So basically they would say, okay, let's just take women out of these studies and just focus on men because they don't have this menstrual cycle factor. And unfortunately then we are told as women to follow those same recommendations that were decided upon using the results of those male studies. And here's the thing, we have way different hormonal balances. We have different factors in women that affect us compared to men. So there's this one that I'll mention, and then I'll talk about other possible you know, um, downsides to fasting in general. But one that is specifically affecting women more so than men is that we have something called kiss peptin. Men have it too. But what the research has shown is that women are more affected by this. And let me explain what it is. Kispeptin is a neuropeptide. And that can get a little confusing. We don't have to get into the weeds on this. But we basically have these type of hormones Hormones are messengers, you know, we can call them, that um, our brain tells our body when we're hungry, tells our body when we should start having a faster metabolism or when we should slow down our metabolism. So we have these messengers that are affecting how much we eat and our metabolism. And kispeptin is what we're learning is that when we don't have enough kispeptin, our metabolism somewhat slows down. So we forget to start burning calories. We forget to start burning fat. We actually create more fat. And our like I said, our, meta our metabolism is slowed. And kispeptin, we lose it when we're fasting. So it goes and it is more, this happens more significantly in women than it does in men. So for men, when they're fasting, kispeptin doesn't seem to decrease or decline as much as it does for women. When women fast, this kispeptin decreases more rapidly and this causes our metabolism to slow down. It causes us to gain fat, fatty tissue. And so this is one of the reasons why for women in particular, Another great thing to know about kispeptin for you is also, Leah, because you're working with hormonal women, you know, hormonal balance, is that kispeptin is very much associated with our body's ability to ovulate. So when we're fasting and kispeptin comes, declines in women, we start to lose the ability to ovulate and our fertility decreases. So that's another really important one for younger women, but this is also important for menopausal women as well, because it certainly affects us at all ages. Um, 
So this is a really big one. And I, like I said, it's more so affecting women that, and it's not getting spoken about. Um, it's definitely one of the reasons, it's not all of the reason, but one of the reasons why when women become much more restrictive in their diet as they are passing through menopause, because we start to gain a little bit of weight and we feel like we have to start cutting back on our calories and start portion sizing our food even more than we ever did before, it's going to work against us if we restrict our diets too much at that point, and we're really not going to be able to lose that fat mass. So that's certainly that's one. I know. Isn't that interesting? It's something never getting spoken about. And it doesn't, it's crazy. There's so many women I see struggling so much. And one of the main reasons that people try this is because they want to lose weight. And unfortunately, they end up getting the opposite result. And with kispeptin as well, that can also impact even things like, like insulin sensitivity. So intermittent fasting has actually been shown to cause impaired glucose regulation and glucose tolerance in women. And that is also going to contribute to weight gain and things like anxiety and excess stress and that kind of thing. So it really is mind blowing that it's not talked about more, but unfortunately, like most research done on men, it's just extrapolated to women. And then when it doesn't work for them, they're told, well, something's wrong with you, right? It's, it's supposed to work, it's, show, it's been shown to work with all these guys, so if it's not working for you, then it's your problem. So yeah, that's a huge one. And then based on the hormones, you know, decreased ovulation means that you're not going to produce progesterone progesterone, which is so important. So many women are already struggling with progesterone that's too low. Progesterone is so important for just calming you down, improving sleep, decreasing anxiety, just making you feel good throughout your cycle. Um, so that decreased kispeptin from fasting, from decreased calories can also contribute to hormone imbalances, which is definitely no fun and also just going to contribute to probably more of the problem that you're looking for help with from the fasting. So it's this vicious cycle that unfortunately, because there's so much marketing and so much noise in the nutrition space about this and how it's going to solve all your problems, right? That, you know, so many people are trying it and it's just really causing a lot of problems for people. So the kispeptin is one. Thank you for sharing about that, Stacey. There are many other, you know, potential downsides that can happen from fasting. So thyroid function is one of those. So basically your thyroid influences your metabolism. So if you want to lose weight, you want to make sure that your thyroid is functioning optimally, your metabolism is high. But unfortunately, with fasting, that can trigger to your body to slow down your metabolism because your body thinks, oh my goodness, we're going into a fast. Let me help you out. And I'm going to preserve all your body fat. So basically the thyroid is going to slow down. And so many people who are already struggling with, you know, excess weight or trouble losing weight may already actually have hypothyroid. So low thyroid function. So this is just fuel on the fire of that thyroid problem. So that's a major one. We talked about the sex hormones. It can also cause a decrease in even estrogen as well. Uh, we talked about ovulation and you need to have a certain amount of nutrients to ovulate. So essentially, if you think about it, historically, our bodies would only ovulate if it was actually in a safe environment to bring a baby into the world, right? And when I say ovulation too, I like to just say as well, like this doesn't only matter if you're trying to get pregnant. Ovulation is really a hallmark of health for all women. 
whether you want to get pregnant or not. So this still matters for you if you're not trying to get pregnant, but we need to have the nutrients so that our body knows that it's safe, that it's in an environment where it can bring a baby into the world and have enough food for them. So if your body doesn't think there's going to be enough food, then it's not going to ovulate so that it can protect you, protect the baby and that kind of thing. So that's a big one as well. And then stress. So mm -hmm. fasting is a stressor. I want to scream that from the rooftops. Stress <laughs> is everywhere. And so we only have so much tolerance to deal with stress. You can think of it like a bucket and your body has a certain amount of stress. You add your stress from work, you add your stress from family, from, you know, relationships, whatever it is. And as you add these other stressors, exercise is even a stress. Sauna is a stress. Some of these stressors are healthy in small amounts, but we have to be able to handle them. So if you're adding fasting, as a stressor, that can overflow your bucket and you can deal with a ton of health problems from that, especially hormonal, among other things, even like gut problems. So stress is a huge one. If you are stressed out, fasting is not for you, put simply. That's like mic drop, end of story. So that's a big one. Um, and then detoxing. So what a lot of people, this is another one, Stacey, actually, that I feel like is not talked about enough. I know um, in our master's program, we talked about this in our detox class, but this really stuck with me and that when people are losing weight, so burning fat, fat stores toxins. So if you're burning fat, those toxins are being released in your body. And in order to detox those toxins, you need specific nutrients. You need protein and you need a lot of phytochemicals and other nutrients that help your liver basically get those out. So if you are burning fat and you're fasting and you're not having those nutrients to actually get those toxins out, you're creating a very toxic environment in your body. And that can also trigger a lot of health issues from that as well, depending on the toxin. So that's one that I just, I also feel like isn't talked about a lot, a lot of times too, like with those juice fasts or juice cleanses or like five day plus fasts, those are really what you want to worry about with this specific one as well. Um, another issue, especially for women, because so many women deal with disordered eating is that it can really trigger disordered eating orthorexia, anorexia, bulimia, like that massive restriction can lead to a big binge. So that's another one too that I also don't feel like is talked about enough. Um, and then lastly, it can impact muscle. So especially so many women, especially are waking up and they're working out fasted. So this has very negative effects on your muscles. So if you're working out or you're training fasted, you're more likely to kind of tap into your lean muscle as an energy source because your body wants to basically preserve fat and carb stores for critical functions, especially like reproductive functions. So that's yet another reason why you might not want to fast if you're a woman. And especially you definitely don't want to fast while you're training, while you're exercising, that kind of thing as well. So I know those are a lot of downsides. And that's partly why Stacey and I really wanted to come on and talk to you guys about this, because quite frankly, you know, they're just really not talked about enough. 
Yes, that's such a great list. And I'm so glad that you highlighted every one of those. I was like taking notes while you're talking and I added another one or two to the list because I can't yeah. like, stop thinking about how. Oh my how. gosh, please share. <laughs> <laughs> it's really problematic. And it's so unfortunate that we are just constantly being told that this is the way to lose weight and constantly trying to restrict and cut back and stop eating breakfast and all these things. Um, but another thing that could happen is that our, when our blood sugar gets too low, it triggers the release of cortisol from our adrenal glands. And cortisol, you know, is like the, it, yes, it's helpful. We want cortisol in the morning because it gives us energy throughout the day. But if we have cortisol being triggered to release in the middle of the night, for example, we're going to be woken up. You're going to feel a little bit of heart racing and anxiety. Um, you're circadian rhythm is going to be really thrown off because you're not supposed to have a spike of cortisol in the middle of the night. You're actually supposed to have it in the morning when you eat. And that's when you wake up your bacteria, you know, gut bacteria, and they follow a circadian rhythm with us. Um, so having this like extra stress on the adrenal gland and then being woken up in the middle of the night and affecting our sleep. So we're then we're not getting as much sleep as we need. Um, I think a lot of people will experience this, especially women. And what they will feel is that woken feeling in the middle of the night with a little heart racing and anxiety. So if that is happening, that is a clear sign that this diet is not working for them, for you or for them. Um, and the reason I say that is because, you know, people will go into social media and say, well, I'm noticing that this is happening to me in the middle of the night. And then you'll get like all these comments of how to work around it, you know, like drink mm -hmm. electrolytes or, you know, people will come up with all of these like re ways to handle it when really the answer is this is not good for you. This is not the right. way to do it, you know? So, yeah. um, so that is one. And then, um, was there another one? I, I'm really glad that you brought up the muscle massing. Um, yes. <laughs> because, you know, what we're learning is that, especially as women, we need more protein than we ever used to think to be able to build lean and maintain lean body mass as we get older. You know, we always spend so much attention, which it deservingly so on bone density. You know, we definitely want to maintain our bones as we get older and avoid osteoporosis. But what we don't give enough attention to is the maintenance of muscle mass. And that is why we'll notice like as women age that they're weaker, you know, they're getting like sort of weak, they lose that muscle. And the reason is because they aren't getting enough protein and maybe they aren't doing weightlifting to maintain muscle mass. And really the more we can maintain maintain muscle mass, the healthier we are going to be long-term because it is the most metabolic, healthy part of our bodies. Um, so getting enough protein. So you were asking, like, is there a safe way to do this? And you know, I'm not trying to say, I do think it's healthy to have breaks between our meals. I think it is healthy for us to have, you know, specific hours where we say to ourselves, let's not eat for three or four hours, maybe because it is healthy to have, you know, your body moves in a certain way, you have a certain triggers to move food in the downward direction and digest your food. And that doesn't always happen if you're eating every hour, you know, things don't actually move the way they're supposed to. So it's healthy to take breaks between meals. But the main thing is to make sure if you are cutting back on the hours of the day that you are eating, you 
have to make sure that you're not cutting back also on the amount of calories and protein that you're that you need. Especially as women, we need to stick with a certain amount of calories and certain amount of protein. And you don't want to eliminate those or restrict those, even if you are cutting back on some hours of the day where you aren't eating. And then the last thing. I personally recommend if you are going to cut back on the hours of the day that you're eating, I'd rather it be in the evening time, like a couple of hours after dinner versus the morning time. Because I have so many women who come to me and say, oh, I'm just not getting hungry. I don't even get hungry. And I eat, you know, my first meal of the day at 1 p.m. First of all, the reason you're not getting hungry is because you've adjusted. Your body has adjusted to not eating at that time. So that's why you don't have an appetite. But that doesn't mean that it's healthy for you. Um, you really do, I said this before, want to trigger your circadian rhythm. You want to have a, a, cortisol, a cortisol spike in the morning. You want your gut bacteria to wake up with you in the morning as well. And so waiting all those hours to then eat at 12 or one o'clock in the afternoon, you're really going to start to shift your circadian rhythm and it really isn't going to be healthy for you long-term. So um, I guess safe way to do it is to eat in the morning, maybe take a few hours between meals, make sure that your meals are really nutrient dense and nutrient sufficient with protein especially, and then and, you know, maybe give yourself a couple of hours after dinner where you do take a break from eating and, you know, and keep up with it unless you wake up in the middle of the night with that anxiety. If that happens, then you need to add in something before bed in order to prevent that being woken feeling in the middle of the night. Yeah, that's an amazing overview, Stacey. I, I'm so glad you brought up the sleep one too, because even if people don't have anxiety when they wake up in the middle of the night, that can still be a blood sugar problem. So if you're waking up around like three or four, try having an evening snack and seeing how you sleep then. And I find a lot of my clients, this completely changes their sleep and they actually sleep through the night really well. And that may change if you're a woman too throughout your cycle. So it might be the first half of your cycle, you don't need that. And the second half of your cycle, you do. So it could be some trial and error with that. Um, but yes, totally with you on getting more protein in. So protein essentially is the most satiating macronutrient, meaning it makes you feel the fullest. So what I find is people who are doing like the, the eating window, the time-restricted eating, it's really hard to get enough protein oh. in without feeling like you want to puke from eating so much protein within <laughs> that window. So that's yet another reason and protein is so important for so many things and probably will help you with whatever your goal from fasting is yes. more than the fasting actually would. So that's another reason why the fasting can be really tricky with that protein because you, most women are already not getting enough and then they're like oh I'm too full I can't fit any more protein in um so I'm so glad you brought that up as well because that's really mm -hmm. important and and the timing so it's really interesting too because a lot of the studies that have been done on intermittent fasting have also found that even when people do intermittent fasting where they eat breakfast and lunch and they skip dinner versus they eat lunch and dinner and skip breakfast they get better results men and women mm -hmm. when they skip 
dinner. So that is definitely something to think about with your circadian rhythm. Your digestion is better in the first part of the day than later. So if you are fasting, if you're a man or if you're you know, a woman and you're like hell bent on this, think about front loading your calories so that you're eating most of them right when you wake up in the morning because breaking your fast is so, so, so important to do with protein. So you're basically when you're fasting, you're in a catabolic or breakdown state and you need at least 30 grams of protein to get into an anabolic or muscle building mm -hmm. state. So really important that you're not breaking your fast with like just carbs or not mm -hmm. eating enough protein. Um, and so that's something to keep in mind as well. Typically for most people, I don't know about you, Stacey, but I say like 12 hours overnight is pretty safe for most people. And Obviously, if you're like really hungry or you're having a sleep issues, then maybe a little bit less. But 12 hours is usually pretty safe for most people to give your gut that little break to, you know, have a little bit more metabolic flexibility and go from there. Um, but for those of you who, again, like you're hearing all this and you're still saying to yourself, I still want to try it. I still want to do it. Um, there are some things to think about as well. So first and foremost, we talked about this, but really consider your stress levels. So if you are really stressed out, or this is a really stressful week, or you know, you've had a major life event or anything like that, now is not the time. Again, if you are feeling so relaxed and good, and you feel like you don't have any stressors in your life, um, I'm happy for you. And <laughs> this might be a time when you can experiment with some fasting. So just really think about your stress levels. Again, fasting is very, very stressful, especially for you women. Um, and then again, what you're breaking your fast for is important. So really making sure you're getting at least 30 more is probably better grams of protein to break your fast. Um, and then think about, again, the front loading. So, you know, having most of your calories in the first part of your day. And lastly, for you women who are cycling, it depends on the time of your cycle. So basically, if you want to split your cycle in half, let's say it's a 28-day cycle. Of course, that's not everyone, but that's just the average. Halfway through is ovulation around day 14, and you have your follicular phase in the first half and your luteal phase in the second half. And sometimes we refer to the first half as your low hormone phase. So that's when your hormones are lower and essentially more like a man's and that they're not fluctuating so much. So that would be the time of the month to do your fast and have the least negative effects versus the two weeks before your period when you really, 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 really don't want to be fasting. So that's something else to keep in mind for any of you women who might be, you know, cycling and still really want to try this. Yeah. And um, the going back to also the protein that you were talking about um, and how important it is, you know, you can actually, what, what research is showing us is that we actually don't absorb much more than like 30 or 40 grams at a time. So if you are cutting back on the hours of times that you're eat of days of hours of the day that you're eating and you're eating fewer times, you know, you're not, you might not as much protein as you put on that plate, you're really not going to absorb all of it. So it right really might become almost impossible <laughs> to get the amount of protein at, that is bioavailable to your body that you actually need. Um, so 
really pay attention to your signs and symptoms, you know, how you're feeling when you're doing this. And, you know, look at if you are losing weight, are you losing muscle mass versus fat mass? Because that is not helpful. Um, to just, you know, to just lose muscle. Like I mentioned before, muscle is like the most metabolic and healthy part of our body. And we don't want to lose that. Um, so be honest with yourself. That's what I always tell people, you know, as much as we want something to work, if you are feeling the wrong way from something like this, or really any other protocol that you're trying to follow, then be honest with yourself and say, maybe this just is not working for me, even though there are huge groups of people on social media that it seems to work for. <laughs> totally. Well, I think we did a great overview of fasting. Yes and gave you all some things to think about and consider if you've tried fasting, if you've been curious about fasting. And yeah, so hopefully this was helpful. And anything else you want to add, Stacey, or you feel pretty good with that? I feel pretty good. Uh, I'd love to hear from our, um, from our audience if they have any questions. Um, but yeah, this is a great conversation. Thank you so much, Leah. Awesome. Thanks, Stacey. See you guys next time. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode helpful, we'd love if you left a rating and review and shared it with someone else who would find it helpful. You can find more information about Leah at gracefunctionalnutrition.com and get in touch with her through email at leah at gracefunctionalnutrition.com or on Instagram at gracefunctionalnutrition. To find more information about Stacy, you can find her at healfromfood.com, email her at stacy at healfromfood or on social media at healfromfood. See you next time.